Well, thank you, Christopher and Anaya. Indeed, we're grateful to be in God's house. And it's our privilege today to have our district superintendent, Reverend Steve Otley, bring the message. And we're delighted that his wife, Patricia, is with him. I'm going to, going to ask both of them to just stand and turn around in the front row here so that at least all of you here in the sanctuary can see the, both of them. And let's have camera one go on uh, both of them there so our viewers can see Pat as well. Camera number one, please. All right. So we give God thanks for this wonderful couple. Let me just uh, tell all of you that both of them originally came from the beautiful country of Belize, Central America. How many of you know where Belize is? Some of you do, yes, that's right, yes. And uh, they came to Canada, if I recall correctly, in 1983, was it not, Pastor Steve? And they began to become a part of the Rosewood Church of the Nazarene family. And then there came a special Sunday. It was during uh, a missionary speaker. There was a missionary that we had speaking. And at the end of the message, he gave an altar call. And if I recall correctly, Pastor Steve responded to that altar call. And it was a call for him to enter the ministry, to become a pastor. Now, a little bit later, as he was working on his studies, we invited him to be our youth minister. So he was our youth minister, basically, through the 1990s. And then in the year 2000, he went to start the new church in Whitby. All right? He started our, our Whitby congregation, which now has moved to Oshawa. But uh, he was the founder of that congregation. And a little bit later, I think about 13 years later, he was asked to serve as our assistant district superintendent. And then just a few years ago, we, when I say we, I mean we churches in Ontario, elected him as our new district superintendent. So he is not a stranger to many of us here at Rosewood. Would you just give him a warm Rosewood welcome? Amen. By the way, they have, they have three children who are angels, just like your kids. <laughs> Amen. Good to see you, Pastor Steve. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning, Rosewood Church family. It is so good to be with you. Greetings to you in the name of Jesus, to you who are in the house, to you who are Online, greetings to you. It's good. Pat and I always uh, look forward to the time when we can come and, and uh, be back home. It, this, this is home. This is, as Pastor Nick shared, where, uh, where Pat and I um, worship together as, as newlyweds. This was our first church home. And so it's like coming home, and that's always a good feeling, isn't it? Pastor Nick and Cindy, thank you for the invitation to come and, and be with you here on this Sunday morning and to bring the message uh, to, uh, to the congregation here. More importantly, thank you for your leadership here at Rosewood, particularly over these two years of COVID-19. These have been challenging 
months, and so uh, I am so thankful for your leadership here at Rosewood during this time, and, and doing so uh, in the last little while, while you and Cindy and, and the extended family have been supporting your son as he has gone through the major surgery, heart surgery, second heart surgery. We continue to pray for Jeremy. We, we thank God for the recovery that he is experiencing, and uh, we will continue to pray that he comes to a full recovery. Thank you for your generosity, church family, as uh, Cindy was introducing the offering and thanking you. I uh, want to thank you on behalf of the district for your continued generosity over the years. You have not missed a year since Rosewood was, uh, became a church in, uh, in giving your tithes to the district and in giving to World Evangelism Fund and giving generously to so many other uh, needs, like the Cuba need. And folks, they are in desperate need. And so thank you, thank you, thank you for your generosity in, in giving to Cuba. Well, can you believe that it's December 2021? <laughs> and uh, it, it, I don't know about you, but it seems to me like it's just been one long 2020. <laughs> Remember March of 2020 when everything just went belly up and COVID hit and shutdowns and all of that stuff. But here we are almost at the end of 2021. And, uh, but the good news is that it's only 13 days to Christmas, Anthony. Yeah, 13 days to Christmas. Uh, are, are you still like a kid just waiting for Christmas or... You're just an adult now, and hey, it's Christmas coming. <laughs> uh, I, I, I love Christmas, even in the fact that we're, we're so busy. Um, I, I just really anticipate Christmas and the celebration of Christ's first coming. So, Merry Christmas, Rosewood Church family. And uh, as I look at, at the stage here, you just making me feel in the Christmas spirit. Thank you to, for those who uh, did this beautiful job of decorating the stage. Yeah, wonderful. Well, we live, we live in a society that, um, that uh, demands quick fixes, don't we? we? We live in a time where we are a people on the go. We want things done quick and fast. And uh, some have referred to us and the time that we live in as the microwave society, where we just want it done like this. And sometimes even the microwave isn't fast enough. Have you ever, have you ever been in front of the microwave and you put your thing in and you, you're punching it and you're going, come on, come on, I'm late for work. I'm thinking, it's the microwave, folks. <laughs> I've done that. And... I'm thinking back to when I was growing up as a, as a teen in Belize, as Pastor Nick uh, mentioned, originally from there, going to youth camp, and depending on where we were having youth camp, sometimes we'd have a, a fire heart. Anyone know what, knows what a fire heart is? Maybe you call it something different, depending on where you come. But picture, picture a shed, it's a kitchen, with an open fire, 
and a grate on top, and you put your pots and the kettle and all that. And, and sometimes at youth camp, that's what they would cook with. And so you have, and a lot of people back in the day, that's what they used at home too. But you, think about it, you'd have to, you have to get the firewood and, and put it there in the kindling, and you got to strike the match and get this thing going, and then you start cooking the rice and beans and pigtail and, yeah. Um, and here I am in front of the microwave. Come on, come on, get this thing going. But we're, we're a people who, um, we want things done yesterday. And the, the microwave mentality sometimes even seeps into our relationship with God. We want God to do what we want him to do yesterday. And sometimes God does do things quickly when we pray and we're amazed that our prayer is answered immediately. God does that at times. But more often than that, God, is, God has a long view on things. God is, is working towards his plans and his purposes in his timing. God is working towards fulfilling his kingdom in his time. He is working towards reconciling humanity to himself. And that is not an overnight fix. Not because God is not all-powerful. He is. But God has chosen to give humanity free will. And so he works within that free will to accomplish his plans and his purposes. And that does not happen overnight most often and so the Christmas story is part of God's long view the logos the 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 word the word becomes human in the person of Jesus that was part of God's long view and that that's what I want to talk about this morning that's the focus of the message this morning is the long view on Christmas. The long view on Christmas. And I invite you to take your Bibles if you have it with you. And you'll, you'll, be, you'll probably be surprised that I won't go to one of the, the traditional Christmas passages. I, I want to go back to the beginning. I want to go back to the first book of the Bible, the book of, of Genesis and look at the, the long view. I invite you to look through the, the, the telescope of, a, of thousands of years of history. So turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12 as we take a long view on the Christmas story. As you read the story, there, there is so much history and, and a very long road before arriving at the manger in Bethlehem. It's a long road, and in fact, it starts even before chapter 12. It starts in the beginning in, in chapter 1 in creation, but we're going to pick up where God calls Abraham, and at the time, his name was Abram, and that's where we're going to pick up the story, Genesis chapter 12, starting at verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives and your, fa your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. 
I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord has instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. 75, that's when we're way deep into retirement. Abram is just starting out. <laughs> it says he, he was 75 years old and he headed to the land of Canaan. This is the word of the Lord. Just a little bit of background and geographical context of the, the place that we're talking about here in the story. Back in chapter 11 of Genesis, uh, God calls, or, or Abram's father, uh, Terah, had moved the family from Ur of the Chaldeans to Haran. And, and, and uh, um, these, these, are, these are real life places that we're talking about. When we see in scripture places like Ur of the Chaldeans and Haran. These are real live places. Just a couple weeks ago during the U.S. Thanksgiving, my wife and I had the opportunity to go visit my mom and my sister down in Illinois. We drove down and on the way back, we stopped, uh, we stopped for lunch and we stopped at a Panera Bread. And so the server, a uh, very friendly server, was asking us where we're from. So I explained to her, I'm from Canada, originally from Belize. And then I asked her, I said, so where are you from? And she said, well, I'm from Iraq. And she said, uh, the place where I come from in Iraq is in the Old Testament. It's called the Chaldeans. And I'm going, oh, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. I met someone from the Chaldeans that is mentioned in Scripture. So we're talking about a real life. This isn't any fairy tale that we read about in Scripture. These are real life places. And then Haran, that, that Terah moved his family, Abraham and the rest of the family, from, from the Chaldeans to Haran. Haran is in modern-day Turkey. So we're talking about real life places here. So uh, it, it, it's looking, it's looking, uh, it, it's a long road from Abraham in Haran to the manger in Bethlehem. It's a long road. And I'm not just talking geographically here. I'm talking about the number of years between Abraham and Bethlehem. So it's a long road, and along that long road from Haran to Bethlehem, it was a road of many sacrifices and many challenges as you read through Scripture, as you read through the Old Testament, a long road of sacrifices and challenges. Uh, we see the sacrifice in Abraham's journey. Remember the the story of God asking Abraham to sacrifice his son, Isaac. Remember that story? I mean, this, this is the same son whom God promised that out of him a great nation would, be, would, would arise. And now God asks Abraham to sacrifice his own son. And of course, God was testing Abraham's faith and his obedience and Abraham passed that 
obedience test. God never was going to allow Abraham to kill his son. He provided a ram for Abraham to sacrifice instead of his son. But, but it's a story that reminds us that, that, that back then and now as we travel through life, life is a painful, sometimes a painful journey. It's not an easy walk. It's because we live in a fallen world. Life is not a cakewalk. And so that reminds us the sacrifice that Abraham went through reminds us of the life that we live even now. It's a painful road that you may be going through yourself, that you're traveling, but it's not unique to you because life is sometimes painful for all. In fact, Jesus once said to his disciples in John 16, he says, in this world, you will have what? Trouble, right? Je- Jesus knew this. And he said to his disciples, so life is, is full of challenges and, and sacrifices, but blessed be the name of the Lord because I know that, as James says in one, three, one, chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, when my faith is tested and my endurance has a chance to grow and when my endurance is fully developed, I will, it, I will be perfect, I will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. And so when, when, what James is saying is that this road that we're on, it's a road that is full of trials and, and challenges, but it means that God is perfecting us. He is in the midst of making us more and more like his son, Jesus Christ. And so when life's journey is full of challenges, know that God wants to use it, if we offer it to him, to shape us and to perfect you. And on that, so on this long road from Haran to Bethlehem to the manger, we see that it's a road of sacrifice back then, and it reminds us of the road of challenges that we go through ourselves. As you read through the narrative in the Old Testament, you find that the long road from Haran to Bethlehem, we also see disagreements along that road. Um, No sooner had Abraham and his family left Haran that his workmen and Lot, his nephew's workmen, got into this feud over water and food for the livestocks. And so we see that disagreement starts even as they head out towards this land that God is going to show them. And so that led to the parting of ways for Abraham and Lot. And we see the feud continue down through the generations. There was the feud between Abraham's wife, Sarah, and her maid, Hagar, over Ishmael, and Isaac. So there was feud happening along that road. Two generations later, we see the feud between the twin brothers, Jacob and Esau. The next generation, we see the feud between Joseph and his brothers. Not a whole lot has changed, has it? As we journey through life, and in fact, even right now in this time that we live in, 
We are living in a time where there is much polarization in society. Um, there, there is much disagreement in society, and God's arch enemy, Satan, is using even COVID-19 to polarize society, whether it's mask versus no mask, whether it's vaccines versus no vaccines, whether it's those who believe the government is doing its best and those who believe it's just one big conspiracy. And, and, and it seems to me that the, the polarization even seeps into the church at times. And, 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 and I say, oh Lord, please help us because Jesus prayed in John 17, Jesus prayed that we would be one. We would be one. And, and, and we just cannot afford to get bogged down in the mire of beating up on each other in the church. Our communities need a church that displays the oneness that Jesus prayed for in John 17. And so on this long road from Haran to Bethlehem, God was continuing to teach his people to live in harmony with each other and to, as they honored him. The Old Testament prophet Micah speaks to this as he asked the question, well, what can we bring to the Lord? In other words, how, how can we please God in how we live our lives? Do you please him, Micah says, do you please him with sacrifices of ram and calves and our produce? Today that would be, do you please him with the tithes and offerings or being a Sunday school teacher or being a pastor? And Micah then answers the question in Micah 6 verse 8. He says, no, no, people, oh people, the Lord has told you what is good and that is what he requires of you to do what is right and to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. And so all the way back in the Old Testament, we see God calling for his people to live in unity with each other by offering mercy to each other and to walk in humility before God. All the way back in the Old Testament, we see this. And there's no doubt that, that we are, we're, we're different. We're different people. We, we think differently. We have different opinions. That, that's the way God created us. I mean, if, if we were all the same, it would be quite the boring world. Can you imagine 8 billion Steve Otleys running around? Or can you imagine 8 million or 8 billion Pastor Nick's running around? We wouldn't, need, we wouldn't need nuclear power. <laughs> all the energy would be coming from all of, from the 8 billion Pastor Nicks. I don't see someone with as much energy as this man. <laughs> but we're, we're all different. God has created us a people of diversity, and I love the diversity that we experience here at Rosewood, but within the diversity, God calls us to unity. Even though we may have different opinions, 
He calls us to be united because that is how the world will know that we are Christians. And that is how the world will be pointed towards Jesus who makes us united. So along, along that long road from Haran to Bethlehem, we see sacrifices, we see disagreements, but we also see in the Old Testament, we see bondage. Uh, uh, on the long road from Haran to Bethlehem, we see bondage. As, as Abraham's descendants grow in numbers, God continues to be faithful to them even when they are unfaithful to him. And, and, and because of their unfaithfulness, God's people, the Israelites, and, and the disobedience of other nations around them, they find themselves in bondage, in Egyptian bondage and later on in in the Babylonian captivity and the Assyrian captivity and that continues even today doesn't it humanity continues to suffer the consequences of rejecting God and individually we suffer the consequences of our unfaithfulness to God all caused because we live in a fallen world. We, we even suffer the consequences of other people's poor choices, other people's unfaithfulness, and other people's disobedience to God. And those consequences we see, they manifest themselves in wars and in pandemics and in physical and mental diseases and broken families and poverty and human trafficking and a, and, and a 15-year-old kid taking a gun and killing his fellow students and teachers. This is the consequence that we see of a fallen world and disobedience and bondage. Now, I know some of you are probably thinking, enough of the bad news, Pastor Steve. Come on, isn't Christmas about good news? And you're so absolutely right. And we're going to turn the corner here in just a second. But in order for us to really appreciate the good news, we have to acknowledge the problem. And there's a problem. The problem is sin. The problem is fallenness. But thanks be to God that there is good news. Thanks be to God that Christmas is has come. Thanks be to God that Emmanuel is with us. Thanks be to God that he provided a solution to all the things that I just described in just a little bit here. And though there, this, this long road from Haran to Bethlehem was full of sacrifices and disagreements and bondage, and the road that we find ourselves on is full of challenges and disagreements and all the things that they experienced back then. Thanks be to God that this long road from Haran to Bethlehem was also a road of hope. <laughs> it's also a road of hope. I'm always fascinated uh, that the Old Testament is full of messages of hope. In the midst of describing all the different things that people navigated through in the Old Testament, the wars and the, the judgment 
of, of God upon his people and others. In the midst of all of that, there is this thread of hope that is weaved right in the, through the Old Testament. The prophetic voices were always offering the message of hope. There, there were always, they were always pointing people to God, uh, the people of God, towards the manger and ultimately towards the cross. That, that's because God has this long view. He has this long view. And remember, remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember that? The three Hebrew children who found themselves in the Babylonian captivity, and they would not bow before the statue of the king. And so they threw them into the fiery furnace. And, and the Old Testament in the book of Daniel records what King Nebuchadnezzar, his reaction after they had thrown Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fiery furnace. I'm going to start reading in Daniel chapter 3, verse 24, and then on the screen it will catch up in verse 25. But uh, verse 24 said, Suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up. This is after they threw them in the fire. He jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, Didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Verse 25, look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted. I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire, in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. Who do you think that was? <laughs> that was the pre-incarnate Jesus, walking around with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, friends, let me tell you, if you feel like you are in the fire right now, the fire of life, going through a difficult time, whether it be a sickness, an illness, or, or, or loss of a loved one, or the marriage is crumbling, or something else is happening in your life, let me tell you that the Logos, the Word, the one that became human, Jesus, Emmanuel, is with you. Amen. Amen. That same one that was walking around with no burning of his, himself or the three Hebrew children is the same one who walks with you today. Doesn't mean that you won't find yourself in the fire, but it means that he is always there with you. Even in the Old Testament, there's the long view of Jesus, the one who would come in human flesh. That's good news, isn't it? Yeah. Then listen to the prophetic voice of, of Micah in the midst of God pronouncing his judgment on his disobedient people. Micah points them to Bethlehem's manger. In Micah 5, verse 2, he says, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel whose origins are in the distant past, he's always been, will come from, will come from you on my behalf, and he will be the source of peace. Who is he talking about here? He's talking about Jesus. 
It's talking about, gee, the long view, the prophetic voice of Micah is prophesying about the coming of Jesus, Jesus who would be born in this obscure town of Bethlehem. You ever feel like you are insignificant in the grand scheme of life and in the grand scheme of all that is happening around you, around us? You ever feel insignificant? Look, look at how God uses insignificant places like Bethlehem. And God can do his work in the big picture of accomplishing his plan and his purpose and of, of redemption. And God uses on the long road from, from Haran to Bethlehem, and he continues now, he uses insignificant people who feel like they are insignificant, ordinary people like you and me. He uses to accomplish his plan. He did it back then and he does it now. We, we see the long, on the long road, he uses ordinary people in the Christmas story, like Mary, like Joseph, like the shepherds. Ordinary people to accomplish his purpose. And that's how God normally works. That's how he normally works. He uses the ordinary people and the ordinary stuff of life. And so, you are not insignificant. You are not insignificant. On the long road of life, when you make yourself available to God, you become a powerful tool in the hands of God Almighty to carry out His work. And no matter what station of life you find yourself in, if you make yourself available to Him, He will use you in incredible ways. And finally, we... We hear the prophetic voice of Isaiah, the, the, the one that we are very, the scripture passage we're so very familiar with in Isaiah 9, where it says, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, his government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The, passion, the passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. Friends, on the long road you are traveling, when you feel like there is so much injustice around you. Remember that God is still at work. While the Old Testament prophet was pointing towards the first coming of Christ in the manger in Bethlehem, the message is also pointing us towards the second coming of Jesus Christ. Amen. There is a sense in which the kingdom of God is already here. Christ has come, Emmanuel. God is indeed with us. But there is also a sense in which the kingdom of God is yet to come. 
when Jesus comes to reign in might and in justice, when he comes, all, all the injustice that we see around us that is sometimes created, creates questions in our, in our minds about why, why God, why, why does this happen? Why do we see all these things happening around us? I'm here to remind us that God has a long view, folks. He, he has a long view, and Jesus is coming again, and all things will be put right. Amen. Amen. All things will be put right. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places will be plain. Justice will roll like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. It will happen in God's timing. That is great hope that we have to look forward to. The hope of the already, the kingdom is here. The hope of the not yet, it's still to come. Jesus is coming again. The road on this side of Bethlehem's manger is still full of sacrifices and challenges and disagreements and, and bondage, injustice, COVID-19 pandemic, including the new Omicron variant and all the controversies surrounded is only a real example of what we go through in this life. But thanks be to God, it's also a road of hope. Amen. The voices of Scripture in both the Old Testament and the New Testament are pointing us to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Remember when Jesus, um, Jesus' disciples, after he was resurrected from the dead, they stood with him on the side of the mountain and, um, and they watched him as he ascended back to heaven, as he ascended back to the Father. And, and in Acts 1.11, it says, Men of Galilee, um, these were the two angels that stood among them, says, Men of Galilee, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday, <laughs> can you imagine that day? Someday. He will return from heaven in the same way that you saw him go up. And, and, and then the apostle Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica the dramatic description of the second coming. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet. Can you imagine it? With the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And there, then, we will be with the Lord forever. So, the Apostle Paul says, encourage each other with these words, Jesus is coming again. Amen. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. You can take it to the bank. <laughs> Amen. 
you will get a return on your investment. I guarantee you that. You can be assured that he is faithful to his word. And so this Christmas season, I encourage you to look through God's eyes. Look, look, especially after going through what we've been through these past two years. Look, look at, take a perspective from God's eyes. God has a long view. He, he's not short-sighted. God, God isn't, uh, it, it, there's no quick fix on society and we don't particularly like the road of suffering that we go through. But what we put it in this perspective, what we experience by way of sacrifices and challenges and disagreements and injustice is but a blip when you think of eternity. It is, it's only a tiny dot in the vast landscape of eternity. And so God invites you and me to join him in the long road and the, the long view. It's not an easy road, but he promises that his Holy Spirit will be with us. He will be with you. And the destiny, the destiny is definitely worth it. Haran to Bethlehem's manger, to the cross, to the place that Jesus is preparing for us. You know, and I'll end with this. You know, when I was a kid growing up and you would, you would read the Gospels, the four Gospels, and each of them starts out differently. But when you, you know, John, uh, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God. In Luke, it's the Christmas story and, and so on and so forth. You get to Matthew, the first gospel, it starts out with Abraham begat Isaac and Isaac begat Jacob and Jacob begat this one and I just skip through it, right? It's like, who need, I can't even pronounce some of these names. But I've, I've gotten a new fresh perspective on the genealogy of Jesus. Because it reminds me that, that God is still working his plan. He, he's still, it started out with Abraham and it climaxed with Jesus, the Messiah. It's a long view on Christmas. It represents a long road of sacrifices and challenges and injustice. But the good news is it's a long road with, with signposts proclaiming the hope of Jesus Christ. And so may this Christmas season, may this Christmas season find you, rather than focusing in on the tough times that we have had, to focus in on God's perspective of the long view that there is hope, that Jesus, is come, Jesus has come, and Jesus is coming again. Praise be to God. Let's pray. Father, I, I don't know where this message landed in each person's heart. But I know that it has certainly um, given me fresh hope as I have looked at your word and as I have prepared this message. It's given me fresh hope 
to, to understand that in the, in, the, in the big scheme of things, the big picture, your big picture, your kingdom-sized picture, that what we go through here on earth and that long road from Abraham to Jesus and all that took place there and all the things that we go through here, Lord, I thank you that it, it was and is always pointing towards the hope of Jesus. And so, Father, I pray in that same Jesus' name that maybe something that was said here this morning would be an encouragement to all of us, but I particularly pray for that person who is going through a difficult time this Christmas, that, that somehow your Holy Spirit will take these words and provide renewed hope. And for that person who, as of yet, they have not placed their faith and trust in Jesus, I pray that this message this morning will help them to realize that God has been planning for thousands of years to provide a way for them to have a relationship with you. And so, Lord, even this morning, whether in this house or online, if there is someone who, as of yet, they have not placed their faith and trust in you, I pray that this morning they would come to realize, maybe for the very first time, how much you love them and how much you have been preparing for them and would say to you, Lord, come into my life. Forgive me. Come into my life. Cleanse me of my sin and come and take up residence because I want to live for you from this day forward. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you.